0: And now, the quote of the day by the late George Carlin, American comedian. Life is not measured by the number of breaths we take, but by the moments that take our breath away. Those wow moments in our lives when we're traveling, when we're working, when we learn something new, or when we spend time with those special people in our lives. Those moments keep us going. Those moments relax us. They give us new energy and new purpose. Let's now take a few moments as we continue the conversation with Vera Jovanovich. Let's take our breath away now as we learn something new about our profession and about our colleagues. Let's get started. You have traveled with EFSLE conferences or in your work to meet other interpreters. What was your feeling? What did you sense?
1: Yes, my and most of us interpreters. The first meeting with sign language interpreters from abroad was uh, with EFSLE meetings and EFSLE conferences.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was really motivating. It was really energizing, <laughs> and uh, it really opened many. And actually, after these first few conferences and some meeting with deaf people from abroad, it's that's how the association of sign language interpreters was established from mm-hmm. from this motivation and from
2: yeah. Uh,
1: for me personally, uh, I'm still trying to, to understand. What is that but I the first impression that I remember strongly was understanding that all these interpreters are not codas, yeah, and to understand that okay, so they went through an education and then became interpreters mm-hmm. for me. That was the first wow that I had.
2: <laughs> I don't know, maybe
1: it's uh... yeah, but to understand that. Okay so I think it opened many things that I'm not really able to explain or to articulate but it opened a new a new window.
0: Yeah. I can imagine it because it's like myself I'm not a coda. Yes. <laughs> and that that is a different totally different way and perspective of yeah. of the profession than what you have and other codas. Yes. Especially when you come from a place that does not have a formal education.
1: Yes. Yes. That was in the, uh, 2000. Uh, I think for me it was 2005 or something that I went
0: to the, yeah.
1: the first conference
0: hmm.
1: And It was really, wow.
0: Yeah. Where, where was that?
1: Uh, it was in Copenhagen, Denmark.
0: Copenhagen. Okay. Yeah. My first was in in Prague well obviously <laughs> <laughs> in 2006 so um so
1: i went to the first two of us then oh, we realized it's really important to have uh, as much po- as, as many possible interpreters to to attend these conferences like to yeah and also in the Epsley conference we were joking to have this Epsley virus yeah but actually the this understanding this opening of the mind. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and uh, 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 then we established the association. Yeah. I think it was really important for us, for the interpreters here to, to have the possibility to see some other. But I have to mention that apart from meeting the interpreters from other countries, it was also important for me to meet deaf people. Mm-hmm. It was also a big motivation. Yeah. Not because I uh, I love the deaf community in Serbia.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just some different. So just to understand that there are oh, so many other things. Uh, so
0: many different perspectives. Yeah. This
1: world is so big. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had the same feeling after leaving the US. We all know this. Not all deaf people are the same. Not all interpreters yeah. are the same. But when you see that, full like that all at the same time it's it's really nice it moves from a philosophy of understanding to a reality of understanding i think oh,
1: nicely said yeah. well thank
0: you <laughs> so then how long have you been interpreting besides all your life <laughs> the first time i would say that you became paid perhaps uh,
1: yes i usually say that i interpret from 1997,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that is when I entered the register of court interpreters. Yeah. Even if I didn't really actively start to interpret at that time, maybe in 2000, 2001, but from actually, yeah, uh, the first time that the organization of the deaf invited me to, uh, to interpret something for them was uh, probably 96 Mm. I was 20 at the time,
2: Mm.
1: 21, Uh, maybe even before, but I don't remember. So this is when I remember. I was, yeah, at that time, the interpreters were paid, but it was more like, oh, it's not fair that you work completely for free.
2: Yeah.
1: Kind of pocket money.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Were you ever paid in uh, eggs? (laughs)
1: No, I personally not, but some of my colleagues, yes, and strawberries. And (laughs) And, strawberries. uh, Oh,
0: that's nice. (laughs) Well, my daughter will love that. She loves strawberries. That's good.
1: (laughs) But yes, since I mentioned this court interpreting, just to say it's also, uh, so I entered the register of court interpreters in, I think it was 97. So I was 22 Mm -hmm. at the time with no education in the field of interpreting
2: mm-hmm.
1: only interpret for my parents my their friends for the deaf community in very informed situation
2: mm-hmm.
1: and my first interpreting in court was a trauma a trauma sure and for a very long time it stayed in this because like okay so there is no one else so you have to go but i don't feel um uh, Ready, competent,
2: anything. Sure.
1: So it was really a, a, a big struggle, and also no one to 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 talk to about it. Mm-hmm. And situation now is maybe a little bit better, but not much. Yeah. At least we have each other to to complain to and to. <laughs> But apart from that...
0: Yeah. Uh, Did you have any mentor or older interpreter at that time to help you or... No. Uh-huh.
1: 90s, uh, actually this second half of the 90s, uh, was actually a period when the first interpreters arrived. So I was one of them. Uh-huh. There were uh, two of my colleagues that I know that uh, were a little bit older than me, but... Mm-hmm with not much more experience than me. Mm. So we were more or less in the same status. Yeah. Uh, so no, no mentoring at that time, not at all.
0: How did you handle the the legal conversation in the court at that time? I mean, was that part of the trauma?
1: I have to say, yes, that was part of the trauma, trauma as well. Uh, and I also... Um, the first person that I was interpreted for was an old deaf person in a very stressful situation himself, sure, and uh, with signing that was different than the signing my parents used, yeah. So I was struggling with understanding him, with understanding the procedure, with understanding everything, yeah. In the end, I, I, I started to cry and I asked them to uh i, I wanted to be out yeah so um and then by the time i started to learn by myself the the terminology the things that asking people mm-hmm. etc so uh but it's it's really yeah mm. but even now some interpreters who work working i mean all of us working in the court yeah apart for having each other mm-hmm. actually not
0: not much yeah
2: yeah
0: are the courts And the judges, are they open to supporting you? Or do they just kind of leave you to do your job and they don't worry about you?
1: I think it depends on the judge. Yeah. I remember uh, at the time that uh, there were judges who would say, because uh, I would interpret all the time. So that person needs to know everything that happens in uh, in the room. And she would say, I remember one saying, uh, you will interpret when I tell you to interpret.
0: Oh, lovely.
1: Lovely, yes. And I tried to to, to explain because deaf person was also like, I mean, they, they were not empowered as well to say, sorry, mm-hmm. but I need to. So I, I tried to explain it. Then another thing was that another judge asked the deaf person to pay at that time, we already had the law that says that deaf people have the right for a free interpreter or the interpreter free of charge, something like that. Yeah. And I said that and she said, so, okay, so you're working for free.
0: Uh, t- wait, what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was 10 years ago, maybe yeah, yeah. 15. So now the things are, <laughs> are better. No, it's not <laughs> like that. But yeah, um, yeah, we needed to go through it through these stories as
0: well go to the show notes send me a voicemail tell me what you think about these moments and remember i don't like strawberries but i do like coffee hint hint let's go back so after all of this describe to me kind of a normal work week for you would you be interpreting every day
1: well I'm in a little specific position. I not not just me. Mm-hmm. a Few of us that uh, regarding all the situations. That, I mean, um, how to say? I work as a freelancer, mm-hmm. but I'm also very uh, in a strong relation with the deaf organization, with the Belgrade deaf organization, especially. Yeah, yeah, mostly. So I work a lot with the Belgrade deaf organization, mm-hmm. but I'm also a freelancer. Right. So, the freelance work is sometimes I cannot manage everything, and sometimes there is nothing
2: mm-hmm. uh
1: I also work in t v that uh-huh. is more or less regular, right at least twice a week, mm-hmm. sometimes more yeah uh but also with the Belgrade deaf organization and uh other organizations, uh, something that is not community interpreting, but interpreting for their needs, Mm -hmm. advocacy uh, or uh, meetings, or um, and uh, also with many paper, uh, like as the organization, they need to send many letters, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. I still regard it as uh, interpreting support. So we are writing them down in, in Serbian written language.
0: Right. So you're doing kind of translation yeah what they want you put it on paper yeah. yeah does all of that allow you to work full-time as an interpreter or do you need to have another job for a living and not necessarily you but any interpreter
1: i live from the work that i do as interpreter so i don't have other other work that uh mm, yes i i Work a lot, but uh, I don't think that is the the situation of the majority of interpreters in
2: Serbia. Mm.
1: Or, or yes, in Belgrade we have uh, in Belgrade interpreting service.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We have, I'm not sure now, uh, three or four interpreters that work full time by contract, etc. Everything that I already explained. So they also don't have uh, other job right because they're really fully engaged and a lot of time it takes to work but sure but the salaries within these services are not very high
2: yeah yeah
1: so it's more being modest than not needing another job me as a freelance interpreter and doing this stuff i have to admit i'm in better situation yeah but we need to do something more about and then again you have the situation in Serbia that you always say, Oh, but we are a poor country. We don't have the budget as Finland or mm. so this is how much we can etc. And it's a constant struggle to provide better conditions.
2: Yeah.
0: And that takes time. That's connected to everything else that you were talking about in the system. When you're doing an interpreting job, I'm sure it's probably different, but how do you get paid? How do you prove that you were there, that you did the work, or do you need to sign papers? Do you need to send them an invoice? How does that work?
1: So it's different in these three areas, let's say. And in interpreting services uh, for every assignment, there is a paper that uh, the death Person has to sign as a, use the the, the service. Uh, so every interpreter has a lot of these papers that prove that they went to work, and then they uh, and it's a part of the report. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, for the court interpreting, I don't know the term in English, but yes, a paper that proves you were working when, where, etc. And yeah. Asking them some kind of invoice,
2: okay.
1: Uh, and for the conferences, yes, invoice, okay, or contract. Oh yes, there is. Sorry, I remember there is also for this working in the media in the television because the afternoon news and the evening news are regularly interpreted in Serbian sign language, mm-hmm. and there is five of us working in the national broadcasting. The, whatever company Mm -hmm. and in this sense we are we are hired by the association of the deaf and hard of hearing of serbia Uh and they uh they have a contract with the the tv
0: oh interesting
1: yeah in the sense that they have this uh possibility to control the interpreters will be engaged there so something that will uh the the community will approve as the choice, yeah,
0: more or less. Right. That makes sense. Does the Deaf Association have a studio there?
1: No, 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 no. We go to the no no everything is happening in the in the television building. But it's this way. It's not that the, the, the TV is high. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
0: I see. And do they pay promptly or do you have to wait a long time or how is that?
1: uh so is it regular uh i think that in the last few years it it became okay in this sense Mm -hmm. only the court i think now it's better i i have to admit it's been a long time that i didn't work in court one year or something some yeah now i don't have uh I don't know how it works. Uh, I'm not sure, actually. But I remember at the beginning, I was waiting two, three years to be paid. Mm. Uh, then it become less, maybe one year, and then maybe within a year. Wow. And now, uh, but I'm also lousy to keep uh, evidence of all that. So uh, when they pay me, I'm not really sure for which court yeah, yeah. interpreting it was. So, But I know. I know the lawyers were also complaining uh, that they were very late, but I think, it, I think it's a little bit better now. All the others are, are, are right. Yeah.
0: Hmm. Well, it's good that you have the strawberries and the eggs to keep you going in between. <laughs> so this whole process from you starting in 1997-ish to today, what moments during that journey really kind of impressed on you? In a positive or a negative way, yeah,
1: it's hard to say things changed a lot.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I have to admit that I'm not really aware of all the moments when the changes happened. so I just realized when I look back, oh, it's different. yeah. for sure, for me, this meeting other interpreters and absolutely conferences, etc. Mm-hmm. this was very important. But then again, the, the the establishing of the association. So I said we are very much connected with the deaf community, me personally, mm-hmm. uh, and I think for me it's very important to to keep in touch with the deaf community and to so. So uh, I know in the deaf community, but for me also this period from uh, 2005 six to 2008. Uh, was very important uh, in two thousand and six, there was this Balkan forum mm-hmm. this meeting of deaf representatives from the Balkan countries, and it was part of the project run by Finnish Deaf Association and World Federation of the Deaf. Okay something like that.
0: Which countries are in the Balkan?
1: Let's say in this meeting, there were Serbia, Bosnia, and Herzegovina. And Montenegro, uh, Turkey, Macedonia.
0: Croatia or?
1: Croatia was not part of that project. I don't know why. And actually, I think that Greece is also a Balkan country, but is not, and maybe also Bulgaria. I'm not sure. But in this project, there were five, at least five, six countries. Okay. And Albania. Uh-huh. So this meeting where there were all these representatives, but also deaf people from abroad, Mm -hmm. some deaf researchers, deaf interpreters, uh, deaf leaders, and uh, it made a strong impact on this younger generation of deaf people here. Mm -hmm. And for me, actually, also the presence of one one person that was really important for me and from, for my colleagues. It's Colin Allen. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, the ex-president of the WFD. And he, he was working in the Balkans for a few years. Ah. And uh, for us, he, he, he made a, a strong impact. Yeah. For us, few interpreters that were starting at that time. Yeah. But also on the deaf community, I think. But, but talking from my point of view... Yeah, it was very important moment. Meeting, calling, and having all this kind of um, mentoring, friendship, mm-hmm. good time, uh, informal education, yeah. uh, and and everything.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: it moved us. It, it it really gave us the motivation to to move forward. Yeah, nice. And also then some kind of knowledge to be able to to move forward
0: what was the the whole project for
1: uh the project was um if i remember well uh, it was a project that tried to to collect data from the balkan countries in relation to the situation of the deaf community interpreting and all all the important issues regarding the deaf community and uh, in one moment they also met to
0: right to share everything
1: share everything yeah and to try to to find the steps to, to move forward,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. We took a moment today to look through our windows into the life of a Serbian sign language interpreter. Through her stories, we learned of the conditions of working as an interpreter in Serbia, how everything has developed, from the pay to the professionalism, everything. One interesting aspect is the fact that she mentioned the deaf community, specifically the Belgrade Deaf Association and their power to create projects to support the deaf community at large, as well as the interpreting community. Getting interpreting into the media, having the contract themselves, creating the certificate for interpreters, showing that the deaf community has the power. And it's nice to see that the interpreting community is working closely with them. Yes, most of them are CODAs and have that relationship and that connection already. And that, I think, takes us to our next point. One of the main points is remembering the connections, remembering how meeting leaders, researchers, and colleagues from other countries is a time for us to find those moments that bring us to new understanding, to a new perspective on how we can look at our own world inside our windows. And perhaps we can develop our working conditions even better than we have in the past. The more we meet, the more we connect, the more moments we will have to take our breath away. I'll see you next week. Take care now.